Welcome everyone to the Cup of Coffee podcast with me, your host, Tom Dillon. This is usually recorded live at our weekly online meeting and broadcast around the world. However, I was invited to speak at Asana Connect, which I'll put details of with this episode on the 7th of June, 2021. I was sharing some nuggets from 10 years of property investing with the host, Howard Kane, and I wanted to post the recording exclusively here as a special treat. Enjoy. Honest, forthright and grounded. Tom is a Manchester-based investor and co-founder of Great Northern Property, who cuts to the chase and helps others learn from his own journey. He's an experienced property investor, uses a range of strategies, and now helps other people unlock their property goals through his mentoring group. Host of Kappa Now Vapa Property Meetup and Podcast, and of course, uh, renowned as ex-Lord Mayor of Norwich to boot. Tom, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Howard, and hello, everyone, and welcome. Um, well, welcome to this part of the meeting. It's not like you've just turned up, is it? Let's uh, let's be honest about that. Um, oh, anyway, so you know, whatever. Uh, thanks very much, Howard, for the big up. That sounded exactly like the kind of um, what's the word uh, bio that I would write. So great. Um, <laughs> uh, I always think it's weird that often when you do these talks, you do have to write your own bio because you sit there going, "Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Look at me with my massive houses or whatever it is." Um, so I'm glad I didn't have to do that in this case. Uh, so what? Well, funny, it's funny that you, Howard, sort of introduced it in that way because my plan. Well, first of all, my plan is to admire the fact that the photo you saw there, I worked out the other week, is now ten years old because it was taken when I was Lord Mayor, which was about ten years ago. And um, I think I've done quite well. I mean, I, I think I probably what it was was I was doing pretty badly at thirty-one, um, and now doing okay at forty-one. Uh, I think that's probably where. Because Christ, he was thirty-one at that, you know. Um, uh, was, was more the reaction than why we're looking like a good 41 year old so um uh so i'm impressed i mean it probably is time to get that 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 retaken before i start looking like those radio djs you, you see the photo you go wow this you know this lady's attractive oh you know crikey she's still attractive but she's now 70 um you know time for a new uh, new photo here so i think I, I, it might be the same for me um none of this tells you much about property though does it which which is a theme that's likely to continue uh my plan for the time i've got is um is is pretty spaced out, which I think is great. When when, it, when speaker comes on and goes, to be honest, guys, I'm like I'm going to try something new. Um, then I, maybe you're thinking, really, like the old stuff wasn't that good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not so sure about this. But but personally, I find it exciting, and hopefully you will too. And um, uh, and yeah, you, the good news is you'll get to decide as it unfolds. My my first part of my plan is to um is to rattle through i know a lot of you know me and maybe um had the misfortune to hear me speak before but um was to uh, was to rattle through some of the some of the stuff just to give a bit of background for those who don't know me and to bring everyone else back up to speed with where we're coming from um so in order to do that we need technical things like sharing of screens let's see if i can do this uh, i should be able to do that and that I've got two screens because uh, you know because business is good so um so that makes things all the more complicated uh that one I think who doesn't like two screens eh? yeah yeah he's not he's not got two screens you're a loser you not got two <laughs> um <laughs> right in case you've seen these before and thinking right I'm going um uh, don't worry it's, I'm, I'm sort of going to do them very quickly and in a, uh, a, a slightly different way to before so uh me and, me and my business partner, Chris, used to uh, do a talk called Property Disasters, and many of you will have heard of it, uh, or heard it, in fact. And um, that was and still is about the fact that um, 
when we started out, we made all the mistakes in the book. My, my guess, was, when we presented this, it was always fairly tongue-in-cheek because my guess is so did everybody else. There's very few people I met. And, you know, I'm getting some getting some nods from the uh, from the crowd here. Um, <laughs> crowd. <laughs> uh, we're all going wild. Um, someone open up another tier of Wembley Stadium. Uh, it's weird on Zoom, isn't it? Anyway, before I get sidetracked, um, does that, everyone is, and I'm getting some nods there because most people don't, they're not a linear path is it? it's fail and fail faster and fail again and then maybe at some point you start to get some money because you start to understand a little bit of the business you're in and that's just much being humans about so so we presented this um you should present our, present our property disasters and it was very much in that vein so this particular slide for example is a picture of um uh, a um well what started life as a two-bedroom terrace and i've cleverly turned into a three-bedroom terrace um uh, but it was on the market for uh, 45 grand I went to view it um, and was told in uncertain terms by the the current owner of the property that it's not for sale for 45 grand, which I found surprising because it was listed on Rightmove uh, for that price. Um, uh, but he said, no, I want at least, uh, you know, 47 and a half for it. Um, but the line he used on the doorstep was, he po poked me in the chest, this is the first time he's ever met me, and said, um, you're not, not going to offer me 45 grand for my house, are you? Poking me in the chest. And I thought to myself, well, to be honest, mate, I was planning to go quite a bit lower. So <laughs> I, I could honestly say, no, I'm not, no. Uh, he said, all right, come on in. <laughs> So uh, we had a look round, and um, he won the argument in the sense that uh, he made it very clear he was not accepting 45. I went home, ran the numbers badly because they didn't know what I was doing and worked out that 47 and a half um, works fine. Thank you very much. And so that's what I agreed on. This was the first house I'd ever bought. The main problem I'd had with this viewing was working out which house it was because uh, um, for anyone watching in black and white, there's two houses pictured there. So I had a good chat with the neighbors before I managed to uh, commence the viewing. Um, and, and we, we uh, again, tongue in cheek, perhaps uh, Chris and this are over market value deals or OMV deals, which I've still, um, I've still yet to get off the ground in any of the, uh, the, 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 industry publications I, I keep i keep hammering onto ant lines but he's not having it um worth noting as well that that's a, just remind just a, a putting a mental note in there a little mental bookmark that, that was a two to a three bed um uh, sort of conversion and, and that's hardly a new idea is that you, you find opportunities to add more rooms you know people often as, as we just talked about earlier maybe to convert three bedroom or four bedroom houses into into five or six bed hmos and we've done that as well and um, it can be that can be lucrative um uh, and um, uh, and and that's that's based on the idea that you can add value simply by adding a stud wall, which is weird, isn't it? And and, and worth noting, only works in certain countries. Um, does not work in Japan or Germany because in those countries, a property, as I understand it, having never bought in either of those countries, is based on size, meter squared. So how many stud walls you've got in there is, is of no matter. What people are going to care about is you've got an eighty square meter place in Tokyo or in Berlin or whatever, and they'll pay a certain amount for that, regardless of whether it's a one bed or a four bed. But in this country, it still adds some value. Um, so that's quite a simple trick to add some value. There you go. That's, that's a nugget. You can keep that. My guess is you most of you knew that already, but uh, just in case, just in just in case, I get a free one in um, for any people that maybe just starting out. So this is my second one, and uh, anyone who's looking at the slide here will say uh, will notice straight away it's an overmarket value deal. And sure enough, this one was on the market for fifty nine nine, you know, I mean, sixty grand more or less. And I, after much hard negotiation, managed to get the price down to sixty two and a half. Um, which again, you think, well, that's not going well, has it, Tom? You're, in, you're obviously in the wrong profession, to be honest. I think I am, but um, uh, but that aside, you go well. Why did you do that? Well, the answer answer is, and this is a, a lesson out there for everyone. Um, uh, uh, well, yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone, screw it. Um, is um, is uh, 
you've got to you've got to have faith in yourself a little bit um even when even when the, the world's against you and even when like this one did it caused me a couple of sleepless nights and i really do normally sleep pretty well so um so uh, uh so it, it caused me a lot of stress and um um and the opportunity i'd seen was maybe twofold at least twofold one was that this is in winton and anyone knows that's m30 postcode it sort of sits between monton very expensive area and worsley very expensive area and was at the time winton reasonably cheap area so i thought well this is likely to get dragged up by the fact it's surrounded by mansions that people can't afford um and sure enough that's exactly what happened and so now that you know this sleepless night so over this extra two or three grand um i turned a three bed into a four bed it would actually hmo quite well this but HMOs only invented when I did this in 2011. Well, barely. So um, uh, I, haven't, I haven't done that yet, but I will. Do, I, might, I might think about it when the current tenants move out. Worth noting as well that another part of the strategy for this one was that um, the, the rental on the street at the time was maybe 650, was um, would be right for a four bed. Uh, and I got, I've been getting nearly 900 quid a month forever because I took the time to learn a strategy about housing benefit and how to maximize rent legally off housing benefit I should point out that's not for everyone. I'm not suggesting everyone wants housing benefit tenants, but I am suggesting you should, you know, another little, another little nugget to take away is learn your own niche. And you know that already, most of you, of course you do. You, you know, um, but have you checked in with it recently? What is your niche? What is your thing? What is the thing that you know you're good at and just naturally good at? I'm brilliant at chairing meetings. That's different from, um, you know, speaking at meetings, as you can tell, or indeed hosting meetings, which I do every Saturday, awful at that. But you get me, Lord Mayor, one of the big jobs is Lord Mayor, big jobs, um, other than the overpriced scissors outside Matalan at six in the morning in the pouring rain, as people are just desperate to get their discount socks and used to hack through the ribbon, except no one's sharpened the scissors. So you stood there going like this with your royal mayoral garbs. I'm thinking, this is not what i signed up for but apart from that um the other job is to chair the uh the full council meetings with all the, all the very important councillors all self-important councillors and i love councillors by the way so i'm not having a go i was one but but chairing those meetings i was world class at so what are you world class at because some things you're born world class at and some things you become world class at and some people have world classness thrust upon them um but whatever it is you know learn it become it because that's where you'll get paid uh, for, for many years in the 1990s um, one of the highest paid people as opposed to entrepreneurs or business owners actually paid by a company. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just, just, just a fact was an insurance guy. Um, and the reason he got paid so much is because he successfully realized that the one thing he was good at was chatting to people, wealthy people, um, over the table and, um, and, uh, and getting them to sign up to buy expensive insurance that they needed for their companies or their houses or their empires, or whatever they had. Um, and he outsourced everything else. So that when he went to the, into office in the morning, which sounds easy, right? And we all want to outsource things, maybe. Most, like most investors that I speak to do. I certainly do. Um, uh, Pete mentioned uh, Steve, Steve Day's excellent course on systems and, outsourcing, uh, systems and outsourcing earlier, and, and there are others out there. Uh, but, but whatever it is, but he, anyway, he outsourced this to the nth degree. So that all day, every day, he turned up at nine o'clock. Of course, I don't know this, but roughly speaking, turned up at nine, spoke to people till he left the office at five and did nothing else um, and made over $100 million a year for many years. So, um, so sister, how's, how's this related <laughs> back to our, come on, Tom, get with the program, four bed, three bed into a four bed in winter, here, mate. Uh, stop, uh, you're overselling yourself. Um, so, I didn't know much about property then. I don't know much about property now, but I certainly didn't then. And um, yet I had to take a punt with large amounts of money that I kind of knew I had half an idea more than other people in the area, what was going on. And that takes guts. Uh, it takes guts even when you do know what's going on, but certainly when you don't, you've got to, you know, you've got to take some risk. And I'll talk a little bit more about risk later because risk is an interesting idea. Um, but 
but I saw something that other people had missed because other people had been around to this property and they'd missed it and I'd seen it. And so whether you've done one property or a hundred, it's easy to lose faith in your own judgment, but especially if you've done a hundred, but even if you've done one, at some point you have to go, yes, I've seen that. And I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to trust myself is maybe a better way of putting that, that I can do this. Um, and that I've seen something that either other people have missed or other people have undervalued because I realized that by, by creating a fourth bedroom, I could you know, get the housing benefit rate higher and get more money in the short term, but also that I felt the area was good. You put those two things together and I thought I had a good deal, even at three grand over the asking price, even at well, 2013, I think it was this day, which was when the market was really low. So to pay over the, to pay over the asking price now is pretty standard in 2021 time of recording. But in 2013, you had to work quite hard to pay over the asking. Um, now on that street, and I realise we've all got properties that have gone up in the last ten years. You do, you do quite hard to well, you do quite well to find one that hasn't, right? But um, even so, that's spent uh, cost me sixty two. I reckon it's now worth one sixty. Um, you know, all day long. Uh, so that I have half an idea on the clock here, Howard. When do you want me to stop talking? Yeah, to stop at the end of your presentation. That's probably that's not normally <laughs> what I do. Yeah, but uh, uh, would would sort of turn. Well, I, I'm point? pretty sure. I'm pretty sure a, a certain a certain Ms. Bradley will give you a uh, yeah, you're up, long. up till eight o'clock, Tom. Okay, cool, cool. Right, 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 right. Fine. Well, I'll do that, but I'll maybe try and leave some time for Q and A. Um, this then was um is uh well it's why is your first year in property probably the hardest and i realize most of you probably aren't in your first year in property not least i know a lot of you and many of you in your you know many more than first year but um for those you know watching and listening who are or who are close to it the the conclusion i came to having thought about this um and i thought about this after having just doing a lot of talks at the time was the reason it's the hardest is because it comes back to comes back to it comes back to the fact you have to take risks with large amounts of money at a time when you're the least equipped, well-equipped to do that. So I don't think property is particularly difficult. Find a, of course, there's lots of different strategies, but in very simple terms, taking one strategy, you find a slightly knocked about house, you, you spend a little bit of money doing it up, you make more than that on the increase in uplift, and then you, for example, refinance to get a mortgage on that house, and you, you sink a few thousand in to get a great return on your investment, hopefully forever. That's really simple. But what's what makes it hard is that you're doing that at a time when you haven't done it before, I've only done it once before, and maybe you don't know the area perfectly. And you've got a lot of unknowns that you're having to make judgments about. Um, and so so even though it's not that difficult a thing to do, it is a, um, uh, I think it's a, you know, you're dealing with large amounts of money. Sometimes even, even worse or more scary is other people's money. Lots of people, even on the first deal or deals, will use investor cash. Um, I funded that first one we saw with um, with money from... My parents, because it was the only source of money I had at the time, working uh, seven hours a week in Halfords, it turns out, on the desk, um, doesn't doesn't give you enough, doesn't, you know, it's difficult to save up for a deposit with that. So um, so, so then you're dealing with other people's money and that adds another layer of pressure and stress. Well, okay, good. Well, that, that's good, isn't it? Um, thanks, Tom. I'm terrified, everyone. Um, well, I think a combination of terrified, but hopefully helped. Uh, you know, come on, give me some bloody credit, will you? So uh, the point of this next slide is to show how, okay, so gone through the experiences and hopefully none of them have been disastrous still hold those both those houses we just saw and some others besides but um the point is that you and again many of you know this but it's worth remembering it's worth just giving yourself a little pat on the back that things do get easier you know think about back to what you were doing a few years ago or if you're just starting out re realize that that things will get easier in the future take it from me and take it from the fact that you know, as Howard mentioned, I, I host the Cup of Coffee property meeting. And as part of that, we've got a, a, a large network of investors. So I, I interact a lot with them. I'm there every week. And and that's a, a story that is repeated again and again, is it does get easier. 
this is my example of how it got easier for me and lots of people will have their own um this is where and it's it, it, it's not one thing usually it's a synergy of a few small things that you realize you know that you didn't know before that have helped you either get a deal across the line you otherwise would have missed or to get it for a better price or in better terms um so this one uh was first of all brought to me by um my mortgage broker uh so that wouldn't have happened before because I didn't have one. Um, and we'd known each other for a couple of years and liked and trusted each other. And so she said, I've got a guy here who's looking to sell rather than remortgage. And of course, she knows that because she, she's his mortgage broker. Would you be interested in going and have a look? And of course, I made sure she got she got a little bit of something out of it as well. And uh, so, but anyway, I went to went to see it and I really liked the house. But um, when I went to the back, um, there was a quarter of a ton of uh, delicious bacon. I'm vegetarian, but there's a quarter of a ton of delicious bacon out the back there uh, walking about. Um, in the shape of Lily, who they'd bought as a micro pig, um, but hadn't actually stopped growing. Uh, good news was the garden was quite large, uh, as indeed was Lily. Um, very friendly uh, soul. I like the fact. I love the fact that pigs can't look at the sky. The only way they can look at the sky is to roll their backs because they can't lift their necks. Um, you've, that's 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 a little bit of information that's yours to keep. If you think you didn't know it. Um, so uh, so uh, so I went to see the house and loved it. And I had a chat with the guy and um, I really liked him too, but he was just asking a bit too much. And I, I told him as much. And that was a great thing. Like when I first got into property, I thought you had to be sneaky and kind of try and not sneak things back past people, but kind of like think you had the upper handle that you knew more than they did not come across as all intelligent. And and again, you realized after a while, you're much better off being to people like people. So I told him, I said, look, uh, I think his name, his name's Charles. So Charles, um, uh, really sorry, friend, but just a bit much for me, this, uh, any chance we could do something on it? And so we had a chat, like, you know, like people to person to person. And we organized the discounts. It was around to a level I could afford. And it was right. Um, and, and everyone was happy. Um, and, he, and he said, as we were, you know, shaking hands later on, he said, if you hadn't, like, said it to me in a, in a normal, proper way, he said, I was, I, I was really worried you're going to be like an investor type, you know, like a, you know, smart suit, not smart shirt and all that. And he said, if you'd have been like that, I wouldn't have done it with you because you were just normal with me. You just chatted to me normally. I was happy to sell it to you. And, um, and that's been a great deal for me and hopefully for him. And um, so it does get easier. That's what I'm saying with that. Right. Let's go on to some more recent stuff for those who've been very patiently listening to some stuff they might have heard before, but hopefully I've given it a new flavor. Um, this is, I think I can reveal the address now. I didn't, I didn't want to used to want to because um, we hadn't sealed it up for ages and ages, but now, now I kind of think. So it's called Radcliffe. It's on Cobden Street in Radcliffe in Bury, um, and is our conversion of a uh, uh, an old Darts and Dominoes club, which is wonderfully parochial, into a two-bedroom bungalow. Um, uh, so what? So why do you care about that? Well, uh, we've we've done over the last few years um, about this is our third uh, larger project. In this case, it's only to one unit. In the other cases, it was multiple. We got a couple of small blocks of flats. Um, but kind of interesting because it's commercial conversion and, and probably the the in thing at the moment thing people are talking about. Uh, how long have I got? Oh, I'm still good. Um, so, um, uh, so. So what? Well, the first thing, there's lots of learnings we've taken from this, and it's worth noting where we're up to with this project now, which is not shiny and finished and made as a fortune. It's kind of halfway through, and I'll show you a picture at the end, which I haven't had time to point to the slides, but I'll show you on the screen, um, of where, roughly where it's at now. And it's it's at, the, it's at the building stage. It's going really quickly. For anyone who doesn't know how conversions go, nothing happens for years, and then you appoint a builder, uh, and you have lots and lots of um, paperwork to do before anyone goes on site. But as soon as you get on site, um, the guys and girls there go pretty quickly. And so as you go in each week, it's amazing how much work's got done. It always is when you've got you know, five, six, seven people on site working all week. Um, so it's amazing how quickly it changes. 
Now, uh, oh, there they are. I've got some notes on this because I, I don't want to. I want to make sure I um, actually talk about the right stuff rather than just witter on. So, finding the deal again, really competitive market we're in at the moment. Really high prices. Pretty much everyone I speak to says, "Oh, I'd love to do commercial deals or maybe larger HMO deals or lots of flat deals, but I just can't find them at the right level." Well, I agree. So, the first thing to do is find it four years ago. Um, that's what I did with this one. Um, that's your best bet. Uh, if you can't do that and you're still looking today, well, then it's still out there. You just got to look harder. It's just you know, rather than finding a needle in a haystack, it becomes trying to find an unopen beer at a student party. It's just a little bit more difficult, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, so uh, viewings and viewings is a numbers game and as a systems game, you, you need both. Um, you got to you got to have the, the system in place to to, to very quickly shortlist the viewings you want to do, and then you've got an equally good system to hopefully get rid of about two thirds, three quarters of them, sometimes more based on the fact they're not going to work for any number of reasons from too, too high an asking price to wrong area to the materials are going to need a no good, whatever it might be, you're basically trying to price yourself out as many deals as you can quickly. Um, and then it's a lesson, lesson in persistence. Uh, and I'm using all the, oh, there's lots of other lessons I'm not mentioning. I'm mentioning all the lessons that I've hopefully have come through for us on this deal. What have I got on the next slide? Let's, uh, let's keep the visuals interesting. There you go. I have a new visual. Um, I might go back. I might go back and forth. Loads of terms. Just, there you go. <laughs> now I'm going to make you dizzy. Aren't I? So, um, uh, um, uh, so you need the tools to analyze the deals. Lesson in persistence. We, I went to view it lots of times um, and made sure that my, I kept in touch, classic stuff. I won't labor the point, just keep in touch and keep, you know, make sure there's a system in place that every three months, six months, you are back in touch with that property until it really does drop off the market, really is no longer for sale. But this one wasn't, it, it kept sticking around and I kept dropping emails and eventually got in touch. Eventually the agent got bored with me and gave me the contact details directly to the vendor. And as soon as I got that, I was, I was in business um, because me and him struck up a, a conversation, a rapport, and I'm quite good at that uh, as well. Um, again, about knowing your own skills. There's things I'm horrible at, but I'm quite good at that. And, uh, and so um, we, it, very quickly, I, I went from being just some guy who calls me every now and again to the guy who was definitely looking to to buy the property. And that's as basically other people fell away. Then lots, 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 with these deals, lots of people will come in and make, in my opinion and experience, offers which are far too high, which they probably know they can't cope, they can't actually realise. And then they're looking to bring that price down uh, and just kind of keep the person on the hook. And again, use the same tool I was doing with the, the, the rapport. There's nothing wrong with that idea, but this guy didn't like that. I didn't like the fact his prices were dropping all the time. And I went in with a solid offer and stuck with it. Now, which of those is better as a strategy? I don't know. Um, that's probably for you to decide and decide what you're happiest with. And, you know, maybe there's an ethical part, part of that as well. Um, but but that, that's for you to decide. I went in with the um, stick with an offer that you can actually stick with and I can actually deliver on it and go with that. So, so that was lesson in persistence um, and making sure you've got a system for checking in with dusty leads. It was about three and a half years from the first viewing till completion. Uh, including flowers for his his wife um, when we found out that he, her father unfortunately passed and um, stuff like that. And we were going for dinner with them once. Um, just to, just at that point, there wasn't even a deal on the table really. Just to stay in touch when when you think there's a deal to be done and people to be helped. That's what it's all about really. Um, all kinds of lumps and bumps in the roads, uh, including being turned down several times for planning, um, uh, but stuck with it. Um, yeah, I, I, we've got still got dusty deals in the pipeline now, which have been there for four years, and they'll be there until we, you know, until we work out they're really, really not there. Uh, oh my God, not long enough. So I will, um, I'll cut to the chase. We went for planning on this for two units, 
and that was probably a mistake. Um, and the reason we made that mistake was because we, we, well, we did the numbers and worked out we needed two units to make it work um, on the number that we'd offered. So there I am telling you I'd, I'd offered a solid number, which I had, but that was, was based on two units. In my, in my defense, I did say that's subject to planning. So that's why it took so long to complete because we, we transferred the planning risk to the vendor by saying, and he was happy with this, by the way, it was all obviously in agreement. You hold on to it, we'll go for planning. We, we, we secured our position with an option agreement, excuse me, with an option agreement. Um, uh, that meant that you know he, he couldn't sell it without without our say so and whatnot um and we had an option to buy it and then and then we went for planning and failed we got turned down and we're not sure to this day because it does seem to depend by planning area whether you say well you should have gone for pre-planning well one it takes a long time to go for pre-planning and two is we've had it in the past where you've gone for pre-planning they've said oh yeah this would be great to be the great thing to be a magic absolutely no problems with this i'm summarizing you know six months or a year of planning backwards and forwards here but that's you get the idea and then and then comes to comes to um as my dad would say a lads a uh, actual decision time from the council and they say oh no that the room's not big enough the you know the roof's too the room's too big whatever it is and and you suddenly got turned down so would we have gone pre-planning well maybe in hindsight yes because we got turned down but i'm not sure they'd have had it anyway so but again relationship building we've done it so we could go back to the guy say um we've uh, uh we've uh, what's the word um we've not got planning here so we're gonna need we're gonna have to go for one unit and we're gonna have to drop the price but of course if you don't want to do that if you want to sell it in the open market sell it at auction you could have probably got more for selling it at auction um, than selling it to us at this point. He said, no, you guys have stuck around two years, you've earned it. Um, you have it for a lower price, we agreed a price uh, and we took it on. Um, then went for planning for one unit and got it. Um, a little thing as well. Um, what's my next one? Oh, there you go, there's a drawing. I'll give you, I'll give you, give you a drawing. So hearts and minds, if there's, there's ups and downs. Things we didn't do and we should have done was more hearts and minds in the area. For that first application, I don't think it made a difference, but we did get something like 13 complaints from the area, including people mentioning like, oh, we've heard it's going to be turned into a nursing home. We've turned it's, we heard it's going to be, this, it's in the size of the thing. <laughs> uh, nursing off what, one person? Um, it's called the bungalow, isn't it? Uh, we've heard it's going to be turned into a prison, one, one person said. And of course, it's absolute nonsense, but it's this Chinese whispers, things get out of control. And it's because we hadn't gotten knocked on doors in the area, which I absolutely should have done. I've got someone else to do on our behalf half and uh, and not and just tell people what we're doing and be and just that information that communication is key um all right uh good relationships talked about that yeah i don't know what. Mm -mm. yeah talk to them straight again so if anyone have come like I hate to come across as a property investor. That's the worst thing I want to come across. I don't mind coming across as one now. That would be seem good, given that's what I'm hopefully people are sort of here for. But um, outside of meetings like this, you know, I'm sure you're this, most people are the same. There's a balance in that you want to appear competent. You want to know what you're talking about. You know, saying so you don't don't want to know that, but at the same time, you don't want to come across as sort of snooty to people, um, which can easily be done. Keep an eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so on the second one is a, to show so we learned our lesson. We did go and knock on those doors for the second planning application. We got zero. Um, objections and we um, had people separately, three separate people keep an eye on the property for us, let us use their outside tap and socket and sold us the strip of land next to the building which we needed um, because it, it was a weird layout and a bit of land didn't actually come with the building. So um, uh, uh, so that was great. I've got to say, neighbor problem has really sort of had since, so we now do have another neighbor problem, but again, at least we've got that relationship to fall back on. So it's not like we're turning up and they're gonna hate us straight away. Um, it's yeah we've got a problem uh and which i won't i won't i don't have got time for but uh but let's let's talk about it you know because we know each other um i'm gonna i'm gonna um uh, wrap this section up in a minute and then do my last little section and then uh, um i don't want to finish surprisingly enough um 
Fun one, choked out on the floor. Um, we when it came to actual design, some people can do it on 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 paper, and and even when I, I'm looking at drawings like this that you can see on the slide here, bottom left, um, which is this is a pretty standard two bedroom. Uh, actually, this is the existing one. Sorry, this is the new bungalow. So we're, we're knocking down this rear third of the property to create a garden, um, and then. Uh, you know um that's that's the bungalow with parking space and all this and i won't talk in detail about the project it's more i think more important so about the lessons learned where, where we decide to put the on suites not of wider interest is it but how, how you know what lessons you can learn for future projects probably is by the way if anyone ever wants to come and look at this project it's currently ongoing um then feel free more than happy to you know show people around um especially if you're looking into getting to commercial conversion type stuff um what earth was i talking about i was talking about um ah we even when I'm faced with a drawing like this, um, like this one of the new plans, I, it worked really well for me to go and I, I can't visualize that well. Go and go and put some chalk marks on the floor, then I can really visualize it and say, no, this wasn't the wrong place. This bedroom's not big enough. Um, I find that a really useful thing that I hadn't thought to do on previous projects, and it's it's helped us with the with getting the space right. Um, mm -mm -mm. Why is the next slide not coming up? Is that the last one? Good. Right. So that's that. Now I'll just show briefly where we're up to. That's where we're up to. That's me. I don't know why I've got my trousers turned up, but that's the inside of the property now. Uh, I think you should remember what it looked like. So we've got the wooden floor frame down and the new roof on it. We're, we're still seeing the plans. Ah, ah okay. Um, let me, well, take my word for it. It's great. Um, it's just me stood on the, um, stood on, uh, stood inside the building. I'll explain it anyway. So it's, it, it, we're getting there inside. It's getting kitted out and stud walls are going in this and that. Um, little lessons I've learned, things we've done wrong. Those are always more interesting. We didn't think about the EPC enough in advance. So we, we, this is a project to sell. Maybe I should have mentioned that about 40 minutes ago. Um, it's not one we're going to rent out because it, it's going to make us a, a better profit to sell it and use that money on a, on a bigger project uh, with maybe a better return. Um, so uh, um, EPC matters and, and I'm, I'm big on green stuff. I was I was in the Green Party, as I was Lord Mayor for. So um, I'm keen on all that. And I did research whether we could do PV tiles, photovoltaic tiles, where they're like solar panels. But it doesn't really work because it's a north-south facing building and some trees around. So that really reduces your return and adds a lot to the cost in an area where you just can't justify it on sale prices. Um, it would probably work well in Didsbury, but not so much here. Um, and then uh, we decided to go for all electric, and that's probably a mistake. We should probably have hooked the gas up because it wouldn't have cost us that much to do so. But again, we were thinking gas boilers are being you know outlawed soon. Let's go modern and all, all this. But on EPC, you get absolutely hammered. So the maximum we're going to struggle to get a D rating. It's either going to be E or D. Now, will that matter to people? Maybe a bit. You know, maybe we'll have five or ten grand off the asking price, and if it was a B or a C, but maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, so that was probably an error. Uh, and what other errors did I make or did we make? This is with business partner, Chris. Um, well, so far, that's it. Oh, just uh, worth noting, again, this might not be news to a lot of you, especially those in the trade. Prices have gone up a lot. So we we, we, we factored in, you know, high costs because we knew things had gone up a lot. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, raw material prices. But we didn't realise how much. It's probably gone up 20 30%, depending on exactly what you're talking about, in the last year or two. I mean, that's vague, but the point is that they really are shooting the moon. The good news in the market economy is that my guess is that will send a signal to suppliers and providers who will then you know, create more and the price will come down again. That's the way supply and demand works. But, um, but for right now, the, the materials are expensive and difficult to get hold of. Um, have I got five minutes or not? Am I out of time?
Five minutes is yours. Five minutes is mine. In which case, what I wanted to do for this last section, this is where it gets really hairy, because this stuff, until now, I've talked about before. I'm going to stop my sharing. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to move the screen. This business is good. So there we are. Right now, where have I put my notes on this? Before I I know it's unbelievable, but I actually wrote some of this stuff down. Right. So what I wanted to do in the last five minutes was um, some my Jim Rohn bit. For anyone who knows Jim Rohn, uh, it's it's it, for Jim Rohn. I love Jim Rohn. Big massive fan of his, and I'm getting a lot of nods. So I imagine a lot of you are too. What I when I think about what is Jim Rohn, of course he's a dude who's unfortunately no longer with us. But it's stuff you already know and have read thousands of times, packaged up in a new and interesting way that makes you think, oh yeah, um, that'd be good if I did that. So that's what that's what this next bit is, um, uh, which I've I've, I've subtitled literally three minutes before the meeting, fascinating folksy fireside frolics. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. So uh, I, I, another subtitle, you can never have too many subtitles, is what I've learned from 50 podcasts and ten coming up 10 years in property. In the last year, we've done podcasts and we put 50 episodes out and we've recently got 2,000 listens. So um, 2,000 listens. So I, I, if you haven't checked it out already, it's the cover podcast and feel free. And uh, um, But... Obviously, I've hosted all those. So what have I learned from that? Because it's really opened my eyes to we're just, just speaking to loads of great people who've done different things, different journeys, obviously done their own thing. What have I what have I picked up from that? Here we go. Start with a quote from William Shatner, Captain Kirk. You should always start with a quote from Captain Kirk. Um, from a Guardian article I was reading recently, big fan of Mr. Kirk. So um uh, uh, so I always read stuff of his. It, the interviewer says, it feels rude to ask a 90-year-old if he worries about death. So I ask instead what he wishes he'd known at 20 that he, that he now knows at 90. Uh, here's an interesting answer he says perkily i'm glad i didn't know because what you know at 90 is take it easy nothing matters in the end what goes up must come down if i'd known that at 20 i wouldn't have done anything that's hardly freeman there so and i agree with that and i'm not 90 but i'm 40 um and uh, so the point is just chill out it's all okay you know and we all get tense and wound up and it's all difficult but just take it steady because by the time you're 90 it's all going to seem a lot less important um I'm going to, as someone said earlier, was it in it? Said, uh, start and finish strong. I'm going to try and copy that method, especially with about two minutes to go. Um, I'm going to start strong by saying, find the one thing that's your big blocker at the moment. This is what I've learned over, you know, 10 years. Find the one thing. Everyone's got one big blocker. And sometimes they don't know what it is. But if you don't know what it is, find it. If you do know what it is, remove it. And that's it. Just do that again and again and again. And it will take a while because it's difficult and it, um, and it's your big blocker. So it's, it's probably something you rubbish at or something you don't like outsourcing or a big risk. So um, focus 80% of your energy on that uh, and focus the other 20% of your energy on outsourcing everything else and outsourcing it, not doing it. Um, will you do that? Probably not. Most of us, me included. I'm just a student of this stuff, by the way. It's not like I'm standing here as some sort of oracle of, of having done all this stuff. But you won't do it because you're scared of hundreds of things like I am. Um, uh, as Robert Brolt said in the, uh, in the it's quoting that old Hindu scripture, we are kept from our goal, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. You'll get sidetracked. You'll get tempted by lesser things and, and you'll think, oh, this will do and you'll make do, as will probably I. But if you don't and you manage to keep on that blocker thing, I think you'll do well. That's been my experience. Um, risk is interesting, isn't it? How much is the right amount? Rob Moore, another one of my heroes, and I imagine many, many of yours, says famously that uh, if you risk nothing, you risk everything. Here's another idea. If you risk everything, you risk everything, um, which he doesn't mention. Um, you know, And I've, I've seen people in the last couple of years, big people, people who are bigger and better than me in property, go bump badly um, and this isn't this is when the market's going up the market is that market's not shot the sky like this for the last 10 years and they've gone bump now imagine what's going to happen when it goes bad um so so okay so how much risk is how much risk is the right amount of risk uh well 
I think it depends on you. You've got to make your own decisions. And most people will choose to say, stay safe, like completely safe, like no risk. Most people, I'm not saying the people in this meeting, because you're in this meeting, but um, so, so what? So take some risk. Um, even a small amount is a good idea. Even getting a little bit towards what I was just talking about with the big blocker is a good start. I personally never regretted the risks, um, the risks I've taken uh, yet. But then you've only got to make one really bad mistake and one really bad risk and end up, you know, in prison, penniless, insert bad thing here. And that's going to change, isn't it? Uh, so, um, so, have a think, so have a think about that. Um, one, of, one of the heroes, I told you it was a folksy fire to actually, hopefully that's, hopefully that's coming across. Dylan De Nietzsche um, says um, that the market will fall. Within your career at some stage, between now and, you know, the end, um, the market will have its worst day. One of those days will be the worst day, right? By definition, even if it's not that bad, but it probably will be that bad. It will have its worst day. Um, unless you've lived through it already, in which case, congratulations, but you won't know that for a long time yet. So what happens on that day? And he says there'll be three kinds of people, and he's right. And he said... Number one will be those who will go go under, um, never to be seen again. Number two will be those who will be hanging on by their fingernails, remortgaging everything, speaking to the mortgage broker, speaking to everyone they know, speaking to their mum and dad or whoever's around, their brothers and sisters, and, and are begging for cash to keep alive. And number three will be those who've been saving up in the good times so that they're coming to the table with a big checkbook and a barrel full of notes going, who wants to trade here? Who wants to do business? Because that is when the, in, in his view and in mine, is when the big shifts in wealth happen and, and big progress can be made. Not on the other days, really. And so question that he put to a meeting I attended many years ago was, which are you? If that day's tomorrow, which are you? And at the time, and probably still now, I'm hanging on by my fingernails. Uh, hopefully a bit better than, I'm hanging on by more fingernail than I was before, but it's still fingernail o'clock, probably. Um, it's still not good. So so which are you and which do you want to be? And maybe that maybe that plays a part in what risk you want to take. All right. Um, how long have I got? Well, two minutes. I'm going to steal the next two minutes. Then mine. Uh, things I've learned over the last year doing 50, 50 uh, podcasts. It's still the golden, of HM, golden age of HMOs, but in my opinion, opinion alert, and feel free to disagree with this. In my opinion, it's only just. Um, lots of things are changing in the HMO market, which means I'm not as keen on it as I was. I'm, I'm gutted I didn't do more five, 10 years ago, but I didn't. So let's worry about today. And for today, if you're asking me what I think, what's what's the next 10 years going to bring? Well, more legislation, but that's that's across the board in property, not just in, in you know, not just HMOs. Not, that, I can't land that on HMOs. What I can land on HMOs is increased supply and decreased demand, or certainly like demands with the EU, with the Brexit and whatnot. I don't know about demand. I do know about supply. Because know that every man jack in this room, including me, is thinking carefully about doing some more HMOs. So you add those up, just those, and say we do one each this year, and I realize there's some couples here, but bear with me then that's what 14 14 of us times five rooms is that 70 or 80 rooms um you know per area and that's in one meeting you know the point is i dread to think how many rooms are being added each year and i'm not so sure that the demand can keep up and that's been borne out with everything from amazon vouchers free gym memberships hands up for those giving out free gym memberships with you with you with your rooms and i don't blame you either by the way um beautiful rooms more and more beautiful rooms in my opinion there's only so beautiful that these rooms can get before we kind of admit actually we've built too many damn rooms um and maybe we should be looking at commercial conversions and and flats because we've got too many offices and not enough not enough still not enough you know flats and people places people live people actually want to live who wants to live in hmo room there are some people but i think most people are there because they have to because they can't afford anything else which to me seems sad um but I'm not anti-HMO. I have HMOs. I love HMOs. Don't come across anti-HMOs. But if you're asking me, do I think the next 10 years, the golden age of HMOs? No, I think the last 10 years was. Uh, 
this is all starting to sound a bit complicated. This is coming to the end, Howard and Kathy, before you all have, you know, understandable fits at this stage. Uh, this is all starting to get complicated. So you said you break it down. We, was, we were promised to fro fro frolic your fireside folks in chat. What happened to that? Um, this is the conclusion. Uh, what am I supposed to do with this barrage of information, vitriol, clear anger, uh, misplaced, unfounded opinion and, uh, and nonsense? Well, I was rereading lots, lots of books for Property 365. That's a plug for my Property 365 program. I should put a link somewhere. Put a link somewhere, Howard, please. Um, I haven't got a link ready. Uh, for, so if anyone's interested in that program uh, who doesn't know about it already, please uh, click the link, which may or may not appear, or Google Property 365, a one-year program for busy people. Um, if you want to have more, more chats like this. Um, so, but the three things that stuck me, because we do a book of the week as part of that program. So I was rereading a lot of the old books from years ago. What, what three things have stuck with me from that plus the podcast? Number one, the army do really simple jobs in really difficult environments. And I'm not comparing property investors to army people. And I'm not saying like the, the, the consequences of the army people, uh, people in the army soldiers making a mistake is clearly much, much higher. But I think there is a, a similarity. Being a property investor is similar, but with much less dire consequences. You make a couple of big mistakes in property and you tend to be okay. You make a couple of big mistakes in the army or in business and you tend to go under, you tend to be sunk. Um, so both with the army as an example, there are others. And with property, I think it's about doing the simple things well. You do that and you, you tend to be okay. And even if you make the odd mistake along the way, you will come up smelling of roses in the long term if you do the simple things well under, under pressure. Number two, um, one of the best books I've read in the last year was Benjamin Hardy's, I think it's called Willpower Doesn't Matter. You're going to take a book recommend from me, it'll be that one. Um, and it, in short, this is my second point is, if you're relying on willpower at any stage, you're screwed. You need to be outsourcing that to your environment. Um, so if there's some, if, if you, I'm a procrastinator, I'm a natural procrastinator. I put everything off to the last minute and then I won't do it anyway. If that's you or, or, or whatever your weakness is, you know, I don't like too many Mars bars, whatever it is. If you're outsourcing that to, oh, well, I'll just try harder. I must try harder to do that. You've, you're missing the point. The point is that you've got to set up your environment or environments so that they force you to succeed. They force you to stretch yourself, to move to move in new circles all the time, to move forward and then to relax. Um, and that's the key part and the interesting part. It's got to be you stress. I think it's the letter U and then stress. I didn't invent this stuff. You stress for a bit and then boom, you've got to have days off, weeks off. If you don't do that, well, you're missing the point. And that's a brilliant book which, you know, surprisingly enough, says it better than I can just now. We'll finish with a master, Mr. Jim Rohn, who I've been based this whole thing off uh, as a wannabe uh, Jim Rohn impersonator. And he says in like chapter one, verse one of his book, uh, one of his books, which is discipline is the bridge between ambition and success. And he's right. It's a very similar thing that's then echoed in books like The, Sl the Slight Edge, um, which makes the same point over a whole book. But I'd say if, if, like, in terms of starting strong and finishing strong, I forgot what I started with. What did I start with? Well, whatever I started with, plus um, if, if you do that one, you know, if you um, start strong and finish strong, uh, you'll, be on, you'll be on an absolute winner. Lastly, very lastly, epilogue, um, and it's 30 seconds. All that, you combine all that and just go, mm, Tom's obviously gone mental. Well, mental health. Um, it, 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 it's tough. It's probably going to be a tough place. I know it doesn't seem it, but I'm, I'm really in a good place. This is as good as I ever get. Um, uh, but... But I, I've been through low days. I imagine we all have. We did one of the um, one of the podcasts, one of the early ones we did was on mental health. We had 12 speakers on, um, all giving like two, three-minute shares. And, and that was really powerful. So you know, check that out, feel free. But there's mental health in property is, is tough. Most people like the feel like they're failing all the time. I feel like I'm failing today. 
um seriously i imagine a lot of you do you know do you feel like you've done well today or badly it might hopefully like some days i feel like i'm doing really well today i feel like i'm failing and most of you probably do too so the trick is to fail faster as we know i think i've nicked that as a, as a catch line isn't it but it's true try and stay sort of vaguely standing up try and stay tuned into who you are what you can do well and what you can bring to the party and when you need a break more importantly uh and uh, because all this risk we're taking, you know, if you risk nothing, you risk everything and all that. And, and I love Rob Moore, uh, by the way. Um, but it doesn't come for free. You know, it takes a toll on people in different ways. So be prepared for that and be prepared to check in with your friends, your family, if you're struggling. If, if it means picking up the phone to me, I'm here uh, and happy to take uh, take calls, as, um, as Kevin said earlier about, you know, other things. I think we're, I think most people are. So it's, it's a good community. And um, uh, thank you very much for having Kevin the opportunity to speak. Sorry for running over and hope that's been of some value. Thank you very much. I think a massive round of applause for, for Tom. Uh, incredible value, really. I, I, I've kind of run out of space writing notes here, um, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, you, started, you started strong, I think, by talking about one of your over-market uh, uh, value deals. And I can remember uh, the very first time coming along to a sign with Chris uh, way back in 2016 uh, for that particular talk and how much we enjoyed it then. And, and, it's, and it's great to sort of see the way the story develops and... and and, and how it kind of moves on, you know, the value isn't always immediately in the price, that's for sure. Um, the thing that stuck with me, I guess, so early on in that, though, was uh, when you were talking about, you know, what are you world-class at? What are you world-class at? Um, and, and I think you have to kind of know exactly what you are, are world-class at. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's in there in that, uh, in that ikigai, though, not in those, those words. Um, after that, you know, guts and taking risks, systems for sourcing, dusty leads, keeping in touch, people to be helped, um, you know, planning, knocking on doors, talking straight, building relationships, chalk marks on the floor. We've used sticks and, and tape in the past to, to map out, literally to map out rooms um, when we've been building stud walls. Um, interesting about the EPC stuff as well. Um, but you're right, the head stuff, and we were speaking about this yesterday evening on our call, the head stuff is so important. And that's why these communities are so important because when you run into those, those challenges, you, you need the, the, the support and the people around you. And if you see people who are being challenged, then, then do step out and reach, reach out and help and support. I don't think that was a particularly weak day for you, Tom. I think that was a pretty damn good day uh, and certainly a very good day for us to see and listen. So thank you uh, very much for that. I really appreciate you, you stepping up to the mark.